Hi, friends, and welcome to the Midwest Mompreneurs Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Snellen, and each week I am going to be sitting down to share honest conversations, real resources, and the tips to help you navigate motherhood and building a business at the same time. Let's be honest, it's not an easy journey when you want to do both, but it is possible. Let's get to it. Hi everyone, I'm excited for today's conversation. I want to share some strategies on things that I have done in my business, KES Studio, and also ways that I've supported other small businesses to pivot during the time of a crisis. I know that none of us could have predicted that this would happen in 2020, and it's been very much a roller coaster ride, and I know how challenging it can be financially and on so many levels if you own a business, especially a small business. So I hope that today's information can be helpful to you if you're looking at ways that you can pivot your own business or maybe even new opportunities to serve other businesses in your community. So you're probably already familiar, but I own a company called KES Studio. We are a very small two-person team marketing studio that I started in January of 2015. And when all of this hit, well, when all of this hit, I was boarding a plane off of the Houston, out of the Houston airport. So that is a whole other story that we'll say for another day. But I remember going into full on PR crisis mode. So I serve clients on full service marketing needs, everything from social media management to public relations, influencer campaigns, events, you name it. And it was such a scary situation to get thrown into as I serve my clients because I really just had to go into crisis mode and writing communications that would go out to internal um, employees as well as external customers on ways that brands were going to be basically running their business during this time of a crisis. And I had no idea what I was doing, of course. I've never lived through a pandemic to this level and um, was just doing the best that I could every single day to help serve my clients. Of course, this has also affected my business greatly and that I've had clients that financially were not able to pay their monthly retainers or just had to put projects on pause. And so much of the work that we do, we plan months in advance. And so a lot of that hard work that we had put in and we had all these strategies in place, it all just kind of went away in a matter of days. So it was a very insane time. And I definitely feel like at the beginning of all of the announcements of the shutdown and everything that was going on, I was working probably two to three times harder than I typically would without any clarity on how business for me would continue. Would clients still need my services? Would they still be able to pay my invoices? What was it going to look and feel like? And so I was faced with not only trying to do everything I could to support these small businesses that I love and care for and I've built these relationships with, but also trying to figure out how do I make, how do I keep my business afloat? How do I keep money coming in the door so I can not only support myself as this is a huge part of our family income, but support this team member who has invested in my business and is helping me. And, you know, you think of all of these people that your paychecks go to and it's just so terrifying to think that 
um, that they could struggle as a result of everything that's happening if you're not able to pay them. And so it was a very, very insane time. And if you work in the marketing industry, you can probably relate with me. Let's definitely have a chat. I would love to connect with you. But all of this is to say is we had to make very hard pivots very fast. There was not a lot of time to think and brainstorm and strategize. It was very much a, we're going to try X, Y, Z. If it sticks, great. If not, we're going to have to move on to plan B, plan C, plan D, and so forth. So... For some of my clients, I work with businesses in all different industries. I work with retail clients, brick and mortar clients, um, people that are service-based, a lot of people in the beauty lifestyle industry. And so we were not only thinking of different tactics, but it was really trying to understand what was going on in all of these different industries and what other people were doing on a national level so we could hopefully take those success stories back to our Kansas City community. And at first, it was very interesting because a lot of our clients were not ready to pivot. We had ideas, we had suggestions, but they were fearful that it could be too soon, that maybe this would pass in a few few weeks, that they would be fine, that they would have enough cushion to get through, and that life would continue on as is. But we also, on the flip side, had quite a few people that were ready. They wanted to go all in. They wanted to commit to new ways of operating their business. And so it was very interesting. And I just want to share a few examples of things that I think are really important. And it's not too late if you're a business owner and you're thinking to yourself, I didn't pivot. I waited. And now I'm in a really sticky situation, it's never too late to start over. It's never too late to reinvent yourself, reinvent your business, how you operate that business. And um, I believe that we can get through this even if things look and feel different than how they were before. So on the retail side, obviously, a lot of the foot traffic is a huge piece of the income. People are out and about, they're having lunch, they're enjoying the day, they're on a lunch break and they see a shop and they say, oh, look at this great window display. I wanna pop in here, I want to just browse. It's kind of like a fun stress relief to just go and browse. I don't know about you, but I totally get endorphins when I'm able to just walk through the aisles of a store. It just it feels good. And likely I end up making a purchase without even planning to make that purchase or even sometimes needing to make that purchase. So um, when I'm able to walk into the store. So what retail businesses were facing is how do we stay in front of our customer? How do we continue to attract people to want to make a purchase when they're fearful of spending their dollars? And how do we take that experience that we've created in our store that's so euphoric and beautiful and inspirational and turn that into an online offering? And that's a really scary thing for a lot of people. Some of these businesses never relied on online sales. They weren't active on their website. They weren't updating it. They didn't have inventory on their website. And so it was a big challenge to kind of shift that perspective and also really focus the operations on online and get their customer familiar with online. The good thing is that because of everything that's happened and especially where we're at now in May, People are more familiar with shopping online. Now more than ever, when someone is looking to buy something, they're going to the website. They want information. They want to make 
they want to make the purchase, but it has to be easy for them to do so. So um, that was really the first thing that I looked at with my clients is how can we get your online business up and running if it already wasn't? Um, at the same time, if clients already had a website, we were looking at how can we make this online presence user-friendly because it has to be user-friendly in order to get the purchase, but also really beautiful and inspirational and fun and enjoyable. So a few things that I thought worked really well um, for retailers is coming up with collections or small inventory groupings that would be uploaded at once. They would be promoted on social media that week and it would make it really manageable for customers to shop, but also for the business owner to kind of keep that updated. Because if you're someone that was just focused on the in-store shopping experience and inventory and to all of a sudden focus on website and online, that can be really overwhelming. And I understand. So um, a few platforms we recommend looking at if you are looking to make that switch is Shopify is great. Um, I'm not a Shopify designer, so don't reach out to me for that. But it is built for e-commerce and it is very user-friendly and customizable and it works really well with POS systems. So I would highly look into Shopify. Um, I also have many clients that are on Squarespace, which is also very user-friendly. It's easy to manage the store. There's a lot of plugins as well. And I think it's just very easy to customize that platform. So there's two resources for you there. But First, looking at, okay, what's on my homepage? How are people finding the inventory that I have available? How am I making that inventory that's available exciting? So going back to the collections idea, I did this with one retailer in that they have hundreds, if not thousands of pieces of inventory in their stores and they wanted to move, move it. They wanted to make the sales, but they were like, how do we even how do we even make sales when we have so much inventory, hardly any of it is on the website and we wanna keep customers engaged. And so the idea came with, okay, let's start with 10 pieces a day that will be added to the website, they'll be promoted on social media and that way customers can shop, they can have that experience with you, they can stay connected and it feels like it has a theme, it has a purpose. It's not just, we're pushing product at you, we have to make sales out of desperation. And I think that that strategy worked really well in their favor because not only were people making purchases from them, but they were adding on additional items into their cart because they were like, oh, this is really fun. Okay, I'm doing a patio theme and I, I really did need this thing for my patio, but also I see that these other items are on sale. And so for them, they were able to bring in revenue online by connecting the dots, making sure that the website was very user-friendly. It meant making sure that the mobile version of the website was user-friendly, making sure the shopping cart is really prominent. And I know that sounds so obvious, but we previously had their shopping cart in the top right corner on the phone and on the website, but people were having a hard time finding it. Just think about your ideal shopper. Maybe they're a little bit older. Maybe they're in their late 30s to 40s and they're not as technology savvy as the everyday 20 year old. So um, they were getting complaints about accessing the shopping cart. And so we 
made it really big, bold, right in the bottom middle of the mobile screen so people could see exactly where it was. And almost in a way, it's a reminder of, hey, here's the shopping cart, make a purchase. Um, And we also enabled their their shopping cart email reminders, which is something you can do through Squarespace. So if someone browses the website, maybe they add something into their shopping cart and then they leave for whatever reason, maybe they got distracted or they just chickened out of making that purchase or they didn't have their credit card nearby, whatever the case is, an email would automatically go out within a certain amount of time to remind them, hey, you put these items in your cart just in case you want them they are selling fast. And so I think that is also an effective strategy for my fellow retail business owners. But anyway, I just, I didn't want to dive too deep into that example, but I think that it's very easy to feel overwhelmed when you transition your business to being a primarily foot traffic driven brand to moving it online. And I think that that was a very manageable strategy that worked really well. It was proven to to generate income for them. I think just making sure that you are talking about your products in a really fun and unique way on social media is so effective and not being afraid to sell sell make sales but also um being really aware of the current climate i know many people are looking at their dollars and where their dollars are being spent more than ever and so telling that story of how those sales are going to help your business, how it's going to local owners to help local employees, or even if you're someone that's charitable and likes to do givebacks, sharing how you're making donations as a result of those sales is highly impactful because it gives that emotional connection. Um, so those are just a few things that I would definitely look at if you are a retail business owner. I honestly probably could have made a podcast just just on this topic because there's so many, so many great examples. Um, So I'm going to move on to service-based businesses. I actually think pivoting as a service-based business is the most challenging because you are someone that is exchanging your time for money. You're someone that likely is only working with one client at a time or maybe a very small group of clients at a time. I work with a few service-based industries and hair care and um, medical spas and salons, and they really struggled. They really struggled in, do we focus more on pushing product sales? Do we focus on gift cards? Do we try and come up with something that gives that same service aspect to it and making sales? And, you know, the answer is going to be different for everyone. I will say that if you can get your gift card option on your website today, there's so many platforms that are offering this add-on for free. I know that Squarespace has that add-on option. Um, If you don't have Squarespace, squareup.com is another great option. It's the Square card reader if you're familiar with those. Or just check with your POS system. Check with your vendors. Check to see um, what add-ons you can you already have access to and how you can make online gift cards an option because I think that is very very important and people want to buy a gift card they want to buy it they want to send it as a gift they want to buy now to support you even if there's not something that they need um, immediately so definitely make that an option but going back to the service-based businesses this was really a personalized strategy that we had to come up with with every single person as well as our own business because our business my business KDS Studio is a service-based business and that we provide marketing services to clients 
typically on a monthly basis, and we then get paid a monthly invoice as a result of those services that are rendered. Um, so for our clients that work, were working, um, let's just use the medical spa industry as an example, because I think it's really easy to explain, but they were obviously making the majority of their income from facials and different spa services. And none of that could happen, obviously, because it just wasn't safe. So they were closed and they really had to look at, okay, how can we drive revenue, but also keep our current clients who come to us sometimes on a monthly basis or two times a month even for different services that are very expensive. How can we keep them happy? How can we make sure that they come back to us once all of this is over, which is very tricky. And it's just a reminder that customer service is everything and customer service does not end the second someone walks out of your door. Customer service is in the email communications you send, it's in your social media updates, it's it's in all forms of communication and your brand so that people feel that know, like, and trust with you and want to support you. Um, so I my team and I had this idea that we thought was really fun and we kind of came up with it, I think, before it became a thing. But we were like, well, can you create kits for facials, peels, things like that, that your clients can do at home? And it's something where they can get instructions and they can feel confident to do it at home. You're going to give them the medical grade products that they're used to and they can have a great spa experience at home branded to your business. And so when this is all over, they'll remember, oh, I got that amazing facial at home. Now I really want the real thing from my esthetician. And at first there was a little bit of pushback in that they were nervous about doing something like that because it was so different and out of what they typically would do. And also just questioning, are people going to actually buy this? Well, we launched it and we did a really fun social media campaign where I created a video of me kind of getting the experience of having it dropped off. We showed the product that was dropped off at my doorstep where there was no contact. And then I showed just kind of the easy steps how easy it was to do this facial at home. And let me tell you guys, I actually did it myself, the facial at home, and it was amazing. It was like such a great treat. And so we launched these for them and they actually took off like wildfire. They priced very, they priced them very fairly, which I think was in favor to them because again, the goal was to bring in dollars to, to help them during this really slow time. But really, I think the end goal was to stay in front of the customers and clients that that were previously coming to them monthly and to also just remind them that they are, they're there for them once all of this is over and to, to retain that client relationship. So it was very successful and it was just a proud moment for me and my team in that it sometimes things feel so different and out of the ordinary of what you would typically offer, but it can be really effective and it can really make a difference for your business. And I think that that idea is something that can easily be replicable across all industries. So if you own a hair salon, coming up with a hair coloring kit or a hair styling kit, or just thinking about what's relevant, what are people needing right now? What's something that is cost effective for you to create, but also that you can brand really nicely to your business so that people kind of, they remember you and they get that fun, warm feeling of 
being reminded of coming into your your business location and having that great experience. So I think that that was a fun little campaign that we were able to work on. And I did mention in that conversation of just giving back and supporting others. And again, just don't be afraid to share that you as the business owner are the one that are doing these deliveries. You are the one that's creating them. And just show, give that human element because it really will make such a difference in people wanting to support you because you're the business owner behind that company that they love. Now, for me, as a service-based business owner um, that is B2B, it was very challenging because I had to ask myself what my goals were in my business in the current state, but also in the future. And a lot of the income that I bring in is through specific services that I could not do safely. We can't host events. We cannot run workshops. We couldn't really do a lot of the influencer campaigns that we had set up um, because they required an in-person element. And so I had to think really creatively of how can I serve my current clients right now? Because these are the people that are already invested in me. I've already built the relationship and I want to keep them. I really, really want to keep my current clients. Um, And so for me, it was asking my clients, what are the things I can do to help you right now? And that sounds so simple, but we sometimes can get into a cycle of this is our area of expertise. We should only do this. But I actually have other skills beyond the services that I typically offer that I had to kind of, you know, focus on. I I had to shift my service menu to really focus on, okay, these are the things that actually small businesses need right now. They don't need event services. They don't need a lot of influencer marketing campaigns, but what they do need is graphic design. They need new signage. They need posters. They need um, really beautiful communications and social media graphics. So we ended up doing a ton of graphic design these last few weeks to support our businesses as they're rolling out client protocols and communications and just making sure everything looks really well branded and beautiful. And again, graphic design is something that we offer in conjunction with our events and influencer campaigns, but not typically just as a primary service because it's not, I don't love it, truthfully, but I can do it. And so I might as well use that skill that I have because it's something that people need right now. Um, And so it's just a reminder to ask yourself, okay, what are the things I can do and how can I step up to the plate and offer these services in exchange for what I typically would do? Um, I have, a client that is pretty much only PR and influencer and event-based, which a lot of that we couldn't do. So I really focused on a lot of writing for them, writing their client communications and HR responses and different things like that. And then we also just started offering social media content. So fun graphics and fun ways for them to stay engaged with their their customers um, through their social media. And it wasn't even something that I asked them for. I just started creating it and we would send them the the content and say, okay, we made these content graphics for you. We think that they would be really helpful for these reasons. We think that they would really connect with your audience. Feel free to use them if you wish. If not, great. And it ended up working out really well because it kept us top of mind as a valued vendor 
to their team. And it also just proved that we have more skills than just those those two to three things that we typically work with them on. And I think that being flexible, being creative, pivoting our services, I think that did help me maintain some of the clients that I had. Now, of course, there were financial reasons why some of them had to put us on pause or put things on hold. But um, I think that I really fought for maintaining that business and it, it really paid off. So don't, don't be afraid to fight, <laughs> fight for, fight for your paychecks. Um, so I think that's really, really important. Um, a few other ways that I personally pivoted my business is I just started creating more content for my company. It's really easy to focus on your client work, to focus on income generating opportunities. But for me, I was like, I need to make KEA Studio top of mind. So if and when this is all over, people will come to me. People will remember me. They will have paid attention to what I was saying and how I was giving them value during a very scary time. And when they have the funding available, I will be the first person that they reach out to. And I actually did get a client as a result of this. It was a one month project. Again, not something typically that I offer, but hey, I will take it. And it was a really fun campaign that we were able to work with. But they saw one of the live videos that I did and they said, you really impressed us. You talked about something we never thought we could handle and you talked about it so beautifully. We want to work with you. This is our budget. We only can do one month, but let's do it. And so again, really making sure you're positioning yourself as an expert in your industry, um, getting really creative. So what I did was I did two weeks of virtual coffee on my KES Studio Instagram page. I went live with a fellow business owner. Many of them were not my clients. They were just friends that I've built relationships with and I wanted to do that so it felt more authentic. Um, and so we would just get on, we would talk about a certain topic. I would save the video, upload it to my Instagram. And I think it was something really enjoyable during that time because one, not a lot of people were using the live feature. It's now super crowded. So I wouldn't recommend focusing on that if you can, but it was really interesting conversations. It was honest. It was real. I think we were talking about things that a lot of people were feeling, but were scared to share. And um, it wasn't something that I decided to continue on, but in those first two weeks of quarantine, I think that it was a really fun campaign and I, it was actually enjoyable for me as well. So um, that is something to think about. And then the third way that I pivoted my business, which actually became income generating for me in a time that I needed it, was I launched a course. I've been wanting to launch a course for probably two to three years. And it's just always something that's gotten pushed to the back burner because of time or because of fear, whatever. I'm sure there's a mix of both of that, but I host workshops typically four to five times a year. I host workshops privately for companies, for their um, tenants or employees. I have done probably a hundred workshops <laughs> about social media strategy and um, lots of different more niche topics as well, but mainly social media strategy. And so I said, okay, can I take these documents that I typically use for my workshops, edit them, clean them up, and then create a fun course experience where people can buy it at a very low cost, more low cost than what they would get if they came to one of these workshops and sell it and make 
some income and bring some money in when I need it because I need to pay my team. I need I need to pay my bills, you know? Um, and so I did it and I had this goal to sell like five of them. That was my goal. I was like, if I sell five, I'll be happy. And I ended up selling over 20, 20 of these courses. Now, I do want to share that there was two, well, three things that I did that I think made it effective in the sales um, of these courses in a very short time period. And one is that the price was very low, which we can probably discuss this on a different day, but I think during the current climate, I wanted to price it low so it felt attainable. Two, instead of just making it a course where you download the workbooks and then you you write in your answers and you go through it on your own, I added a unique element to it, which was audio. I did audio coaching where I had the workbook and I literally recorded myself as if I were teaching the workshop. I gave examples, I made it really applicable, and I felt like, okay, this is going to appeal to someone because some people are visual learners, some people are audio learners, and hopefully that this will make it a little bit more tangible and practical for people that just need a little bit more information. And I have gotten so much feedback on people that have loved listening to it. You know, their moms, they're listening late at night, or they're listening... Um, as they're cleaning the house, things like that. And so I'm really glad that I added that little unique twist on it because so many people offer PDF downloadable courses and I, I just wanted something that would stand out. So that worked out really well in, in my favor. And then the third thing I did, which probably was a huge mistake, but I really wanted to make some sales on this course, was I threw in a bonus where if anyone purchased the course within a 10-day period, I would throw in a 20 minute free one-on-one -on -one coaching call. The idea behind this was a few things. One, I wanted to get feedback. I wanted to hear was this course um, valuable to them? And so that if I did relaunch it or make some tweaks to it, I would get some really great feedback from them. Um, number two, I felt like, okay, maybe this could open the door to clients because they're really getting so much value out of the course plus they're getting this coaching you know service from me that maybe they'll want to continue on and then also on the flip side it was just great opportunity for me to kind of continue to flex my marketing muscles because at this point in COVID-19 work was starting to die down and I had a little bit more free time and I just I just needed to fill my calendar to keep me motivated. So it was really an intrinsic motivation, but um, it worked out really well because I, I sold the course, I met my goal, I exceeded my goal and I brought money in, which was really helpful. So I feel like I've covered quite a bit. I think there's so many different things that you can do as a business to pivot your business, to continue to bring revenue in. And I just wanna tell you that even though doors are starting to open and, and things are being put into place to kind of get the economy going again, be really smart and don't rely just on that foot traffic. I think that we're going to be shopping differently. We're going to be having different experiences because of everything that's happened. And now more than ever is a great time to audit your business from an online perspective. So send your website out to a few friends, send your social media links out to a few friends or people in the industry, just peers, and ask them, okay, what is your experience? Was this easy for you? Was this hard for you? And get that feedback and see what tweaks you can make because I really think that it will make such a difference if 
if shopping is easy and enjoyable and really exciting for your customers. And I think I think options more than ever is so key. So thank you for your time today. I hope you found this helpful. If you have had really great success pivoting your business, I would love to hear more for you from you. I would love to chat. You can follow me on social media and let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Midwest Mompreneurs. I'm your host, Katherine Snellen, and I appreciate you so much. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at the Catherine Elise.